Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, my friend? How are you this Thursday evening? Good. It is a little weird recording on a Thursday, but it's it's nice knowing that, you know, after we're done here, I'm not just going to be, you know, playing Warzone with my friends. I'll get to watch some uh, Thursday <laughs> Night Football. So I'm pumped about that. Yeah, we're a little early in the day, too. We're usually a, a little bit later in the evening. And uh, uh, we did a couple of these last year. It was just you and I, which is nice. A little bit of room to breathe. Last week, we went complete opposite way. We went quad box, and uh, it was impossible to keep under two hours and really hard to get much out there without making it a three-hour show. But you know, had some uh, hang-ups with guests this week. We'll be back with a guest for sure next week. But you and I are dancing alone this week, which will be – uh, I'm excited to do. We both get a little bit of extra time. We don't have to feel like we're rushing it. So um, we want to let you know before we jump in here, we've increased the ways that you can consume Move the Line this year. We are still in podcast form uh, everywhere we've been in the past. We're now also on Spotify. You can check us out there. We're doing the stream live weekly as well. We're still here on 444.com's Periscope, also on Twitch and YouTube as well under 444.com's handles there. Definitely check it out. You can find those links in the show notes. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about our friends from underdog fantasy before we jump into the week as well. If you're not familiar with underdog, you don't play best ball or anything like that. First of all, fix that best ball is fantastic. Underdog is a really great app, very intuitive, very user friendly. Uh, They've kind of created um, a brand new game right now. That is uh, battle Royale. It's basically a blend of, you know, best ball, um, old school snake draft stuff and a little bit of DFS. They basically are finding a way to accumulate, uh, you know, snake drafts and be able to offer big prize pools as well. So you want to check out that over at underdog underdog.com uh, $5 to enter $25,000 prize pool. You're going to pay out 5k to first in their new battle Royale contest. So definitely check them out and try um, and let them know. We send you, you can put in four for four uh, after you deposit your first dollars in there so uh we have the cardinals texans jags and the washington football team on a buy here for week eight but let's jump into the slate all right man we're starting strong at the top love this game absolutely the best game on the slate should probably be flexed we got an absolute dumpster fire of a game on sunday night there are some really good games on the slate but pittsburgh on the road against baltimore Seeing uh, Baltimore favored here, uh, three and a half and fours out there in the marketplace, total of 46 and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean, these games are always awesome, uh, very physical. They're always important for the most part in the last decade, 15 plus years or so. These teams are always, you know, dancing for playoff spots. Baltimore was posted at five, a half, five and a half in the look ahead markets, um, coming off a bye to face the Steelers, who were on. The second leg of a tough back-to-back, uh, but again, major playoff implications. And again, lots of early money coming in on the Steelers that have driven this number down. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, so I grabbed the Steelers a plus four. I'd probably still play it actually at three and a half, which is what we're looking at. Points bet still offering a four. Uh, FanDuel and DraftKings are both floating three and a halfs here. Um, I think that these teams are just like a lot closer than what you know the market's suggesting. And I think like a three-point spread makes a lot of sense here. Um, the Steelers defense has been pretty much elite in almost every category, except for explosive pass rate, which they rank 28th. 
Um, but I mean, that really just hasn't been Baltimore's strong suit on offense. I mean, we know that they're not you know, necessarily like a, a deep passing attack that really is just going to try and exploit that. I mean, they can with Marquise Brown, don't get me wrong, but it's just not something that they like consistently try and do. Um, and Baltimore's defense has also been strong, but they're actually ranking one spot behind the Steelers in DVOA. Um, and they, but they also don't have like a clear weakness like the Steelers. You know, the Steelers occasionally will let up big plays. Uh, the Ravens, you know, while they have their own, you know, flaws here and there, it's nothing quite as like pinpointed. Um, and then I thought that it was actually interesting that both of their offenses also rank similarly. Um, so right now we're looking at Pittsburgh at 17th in offensive DVOA, Baltimore at 19th. So, uh, I mean, you're looking at two edges right there just strictly by the numbers for Pittsburgh. I know Baltimore is at home, but. Uh, Pittsburgh's been playing well. Baltimore seems to be just kind of, you know, a little bit of a hangover from last year, but they're still a good team. Don't get me wrong. So I, I like Pittsburgh at plus four. I think that they are live. Uh, also the team totally for Pittsburgh at 20 and a half. Um, I mean, I, I kind of like the over it's, you know, even if it isn't like a shootout, 21 points is really not a whole lot for a capable Pittsburgh offense. that has been scoring 26 or more in every single game this season. And I, I know that every, all their opponents, haven't been very good defensively, but still, I, I think that is worth noting. And I would consider taking a play on, on the 20 and a half, but I definitely like the plus four for the Steelers and think that they're alive. Yeah, man, me too. I, I don't overreact to the Steelers being undefeated per se. And, um, you know, I, I think this both shows maturity for both of us, because I know you have a pocket full of Ravens tickets I do, yeah. Um, I cannot stand the Steelers, just you know, but they're really good. They their defense, they just don't have a lot of holes. I mean, I feel like their defense is absolutely legit. Their offense is pretty dynamic, obviously, with with Chase Claypool stepping into that role. Like they have three really, really good receivers. They got a good pass catching tight ends. I think James Connors looked really good the last couple of games after obviously a rock, rocky start to the season. I think the big edge here is that Pittsburgh D and uh, and blitzing in particular. I mean, we know Pittsburgh's strength is their ability to get pressure, and they blitz a ton. Uh, their 36.6 pressure rate is 8% higher than the next closest team, which actually happens to be the Ravens, but they just get a ton of pressure. I got this nugget from uh, Jacob Gibbs from CBS. There are two QBs that have a passer rating below 70%, below 70, I'm sorry, uh, when being blitzed this season. And it's Drew Locke and Lamar. He has struggled in the pocket as a passer when he's blitzed. Uh, this happened last year against Pittsburgh, and it just it doesn't bode well for him so far this year. And they're just hard. It's a hard team to run on. I mean, and we know that Baltimore wants to run. They're going to be probably without Mark Ingram, which is not necessarily a difference maker. They have two very capable backs behind them, but. I just feel like it's a really good spot for Pittsburgh in catching more than a field goal here. When I think that these are pretty equal teams. Um, I'm going to take the plus money. I'll take the money line with the Steelers. And I'm with you. I think that team total is a little low as well. Um, Hollywood Brown. Um, Any yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what are the props going to come out at? Like, that's... Well, I wanted to call it out just because, you know, we mentioned it. We've, we've kind of harped on that. It's the only real bugaboo for the Pittsburgh defense so far is big plays. You know, we he's just 45% target share, uh, just kind of really soaking up. And they had a 45% target share in the Baltimore offense is very different than, you know, say Kansas City, who's, you know, a lot more pass-friendly or Seattle or something like that. But it's still a huge chunk of the offense. And, again, we know that his 
a dot is deep down the field. He doesn't have to get there on volume per se. You know, he can get there on, you know, just a few deep balls. Um, yeah. I mean, mean, I, I don't mind that just, especially my, my worry with this passing game always when betting like props on them is that you can make the right play and they can, um, you know, they can be in a good spot, but then they throw the ball five times in the second half. So yeah. when, like, you know, we saw it against the Texans where, you know, Brown and Andrews had like 40 yards at half. Their props are like 50 and they don't, they catch like one ball each for five yards in the second half and it's over. But I don't think that's an issue in this game. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'm definitely going to look into that for sure. Uh, also on the Steelers offense, I think that they still have a chance to maybe like get rolling a little bit more. Like I, I, I still don't think that they have fully hit their stride yet. Agreed. They still look a little bit out of touch in some, some areas. And with like a healthy Deontay Johnson, healthy Claypool, and Juju maybe finally doing something and seeing some more targets last week, uh, I, I think that there's still room for improvement for them. So when when they do hit stride, you know, like I think that they're a scary Super Bowl team. I'm not sure what Super Bowl odds are right now, but I do actually have a ticket on the Steelers as well. I don't know if I ever we ever talked about this. It's actually it's half the amount that I put on the Ravens, but still like out of like 25 to one, I believe, um, okay. like right before the season. So. Um, we talked about that with, you know, uncle Kanish and we talked about their range of outcomes of if the offense actually did come back and look good, which, you know, they are starting to do that and the defense remained elite, which they have. So we're looking at a team that's, I mean, very much live on the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think casual Kanish was on the Steelers. I think he was, he was anti-Steelers. He was yeah. anti-Steelers. Yeah. Yes. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> uh no i think that's i think you make a good point because of the game script i mean i'm coming off of i think we were both burned on that hollywood stat correction against philly a couple of weeks ago where he he lost by a half point um but because the game script based on what we expect to happen here will probably force baltimore to throw a little bit more i think the question is rather how successful they're going to be but i think they'll be forced into throwing a little bit more that there's a little bit more of an advantageous game script for a Hollywood Brown over knowing that it can be done in so few completions is encouraging as well. So uh, that's, that's definitely interesting. I don't know that really any of these teams are going to be either. Of these teams are going to be owned in DFS either, which I think is interesting too. So, all right. Uh, next one. Also very interesting. We have the jets on the road against the chiefs. We're seeing uh 19 and a half basically everywhere, right? Um, you know, it's down. Yeah, 19 and a half across the board at this point. Uh, total healthy at 49. Um, you know, look aheads had this at 21. I even saw some 22s out there, which feels crazy. Uh, it has only happened 13 times in the past 35 years or so, though. Pretty interesting. We did have it ha- twice last year, um, both in week three. The Jets actually covered they were 20 and a half point road dogs against new england and then uh, the dolphins were 22 point dogs on the road against dallas um you know dallas actually boat raced them there and uh covered handily though over the course of the 35 years the 13 times that that's happened the underdog is 10 and 3 against the number um no one's ever won straight up but uh 10 and 3 in getting you know 20 points I don't think either of us are on Kansas City. I mean, I don't think either of us are on the Jets, even though it's a crazy number. Um, but are you on Kansas City at all? Uh, no, uh, I'm not going to lay 20 and a half, and I'm definitely not going to bet on the Jets. Uh, I mean, realistically, like for me to consider it, I'd probably need like, I don't know, 
24 and a half or maybe even 30 like to consider putting my money on the jets and they could lose by 50 realistically. Um, and I, I don't even think that that's like that crazy, but um, I mean, there are plenty of smart people who took the jets at 21 and I mean, technically I'm sure that's the value play, but I've been hearing about smart money on the jets for like weeks. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, sharp, it's sharp it is, money. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't listen to that too much, and that's you know my analysis is not based on that like at all because um, sometimes you're just betting the numbers and you're not looking at a lifeless team that clearly you know is coached by Adam Gase and just like doesn't really care about winning and has a terrible offensive line, no offensive weapons, a quarterback who's seeing ghosts, a defense that's you know bottom tier. Like there's nothing good about this team, and I mean, sure maybe they can cover twenty points against the league's best offense or one of the best, but I mean, do I want to put money on it? No. So, um, I mean, there's also, it's a lot of talk about a Lev Bell revenge game. Um, I also, I just like, don't think that they really like give a shit about that at all. Um, like maybe Andy Reed, you know, decides like, Hey, we're going to use him a little bit more. Um, but I don't, I, I, it would, they would have to be up like, you know, 24. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I just think that that's kind of like a silly narrative that maybe it pans out and maybe he scores two touchdowns. But I mean, anyone on the Chiefs could score two touchdowns. So that's a good point. Um, you know, and I think that actually is something that I you know part of why I enjoy doing this with you is because I feel like we're like minded in the sense that I get that theoretically and probably I feel like we blend it really well. You know, you hear the old adage of like, I don't bet teams, I bet numbers, and I think that that's pretty stupid um because (laughs) like i'm betting on both like i'm betting on a team at a number and i think just blindly betting a number in a situation or about you know on a trend or if a number is just it's just too high like i think there has to be a little bit of nuance in it it's a little bit more of an art than just straight uh, gonna take three touchdowns every time no matter what um, you don't have to bet every game. We both will not be betting this game. It sounds like, and I think that that's an option too, because we are betting on teams. If we were to be taking the Jets at plus nineteen and a half, that means I'm betting on the Jets. I know that I'm betting on them at an advantageous number, but I'm also betting on that team. And I hate that in this industry. Uh, I hate that that's part of people's analysis. Or lack of thereof. It's like you, you don't want to do the analysis to tell me about the team. You just want to bet the number. And I think that's very flawed. Yeah. I mean, I think the only way that I can be convinced that it makes sense is that you have a model that you've used since the beginning of, you know, like, I don't know, since whatever you started, you're a professional gambler and you stick by said model and you have proven results that have won with that model over time. Like sure. that's, that is pretty much the only caveat to what we're saying, in my opinion. Yeah, and, but even that I would yeah. think is that that model takes into consideration, right? There are things feeding that model that are team centric, right? That's part yeah. of the, that's part of the model. So I don't know. I get it, but I also think that that's just kind of it's lazy out of outside of of your example. So sure. uh, Denzel Mims um, activated off of IR and led the team with forty two receiving yards last week. Um, you know, nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing, though. We might not have Jamison Crowder, and we might not have Brashard Perriman, and they're going to be forced to throw. So, you know, if we're looking at a prop that's like 
high 30s. I mean, I think you can get to 42 yards again. I, I mean, I can get down with that, like all the high 30s. I think yeah. we'll probably see, like, I think realistically, like low 40s. Uh, I don't know where he's at in, you know, DFS, the DFS world, but um, yeah, I mean, that that's reasonable. I'm, I'm interested to see what our projections come in at uh, for Mims this week. Yeah. Uh, we have him at 43 yards. 43, and, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll be up. I think that's higher than what his number will be. I don't know okay. that it's necessarily enough to bet it, but it's it's interesting to me if we do indeed see Crowder and Perryman outs. Um, I mean, what else do the Jets have to do except try to see if there's something here with Mims? Like, are you going to be force-feeding targets to Jeff Smith and Braxton Berrios? Like, there's the problem of not being able to stay on the field to sustain drives. <laughs> That'll be a problem. Oh, yeah. It'll be impactful for Mims. But, uh, again, um, uh, an interesting side-speed combination prospect coming out of Baylor and, uh, you know, interested to see, you know, what he can do here. All right. Uh, next is uh, an exciting game on the slate, believe it or not. Titans on the road against the Bengals. Um, Titans looking at five and a half. Um, yeah, basically five and a half across the board. This one's kind of hovered between six and five and a half for most of the last couple days. Total down to 53 and a half. Um, even lower now, fifty two and a half on what on points. I don't happening? I don't know, man. Is this weather? Is this a weather thing? I have no idea. I, I haven't even looked at the forecast for this one. I haven't heard too much about this forecast, but yeah, I, it doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, I mean, early trends here had Tennessee showing up uh, as a massive public favorite. Look ahead at it four, and like I said, you know, moved up to six. It's kind of settled at five and a half. Uh, this total, I mean, it opened at fifty five, and I was like. That's that's too low. Um, quickly went to fifty four and a half, and early on Wednesday dropped to fifty four, and now fifty two and a half. I mean, just keep these, hitting it. Yeah, these two clubs are both top eight in situational neutral pace. Uh, the Titans games are averaging the eighth most combined plays. Uh, Bengals fourth. Uh, that's according to Pat Thorman in his pace article over at ETR. Uh, these teams do not play defense well at all. They do not get pressure on the quarterback. I don't think Javion Clowning plays in this game. He's dinged up. Um, I don't get it. I'm going to keep hammering it, and I'm guessing it's weather related. But I mean, well, yeah. I, I just, so I still don't understand it. I mean, latest forecast. I just looked this up. I used to write a weather article for Roto World, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to pull out that weather knowledge that I used to have. Um, they're, they're right now is looking at 18 mile per hour winds at kickoff, um, which the only time the wind actually matters is at over 20 miles an hour. There's a slight difference in yards per attempt among quarterbacks from like 15 to 20, but it's like marginal. Uh, Chris Allen did some great research on that uh, a few years back. And I mean, that's like a, a cornerstone piece for analyzing weather is basically like, you know, rain barely matters. Usually snow sometimes matters if it's hard enough and rain and wind almost never matters unless it's over 20 miles per hour with gusts into 30 miles per hour. That, that is like when it actually matters. So, you know, if we see that great, if not, I'm going to, I like the over here too, as well. I mean, you made a lot of great points. Um, I think that it's going to be a great week for Burrow. If he's not, you know, if he doesn't have someone on him, like all the time, like he's just going to feast. That's been his biggest issue is that when he's under pressure, like, you know, he's running around trying to make plays, which is great. And he can sometimes, but when he's given time, like he is, He's played awesome. So I think that this is a good good week for him, good week for Tyler Boyd here. 
um, in the middle of the field. And then AJ Brown has done nothing but crush on the other side um, since he, since he's returned from his injury. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that it could be a big Derrick Henry game as well. The Bengals run defense has been pretty bad. 21st and run DDVOA, 30th and explosive run rate allowed. So I don't, yeah, I just don't see it like happening, like falling too low. I'm going to look at some team totals as the week progresses. I mean, if we can catch some team totals on the wrong side of the key number, I think that that's going to be going to be awesome. I'll probably hit the over and then both, maybe both the team totals, depending on what the, what the numbers are. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you mentioned Burrow's balling of late last five outings, very nice 69% completion rate um, over 300 yards per game. It's averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. You know, I, I, I think the passing is only going to increase here with, you know, Gio Bernard in that role. Like they just, they're very, it's almost like when Mixon's out, like Gio gets a better role than Mixon has. It's like he gets Mixon like times 1.X, 1.5X. Like it just is so weird. Like they, he gets all the rushing stuff and he gets all the passing game work. Uh, I just think that, yeah, I mean, I've been talking about T Higgins for weeks. Tyler Boyd is is a guy that we both love. I'm going to be the last one to let go on AJ Green. I mean, he's looked better over the last couple of weeks. He's getting fed, but he's getting fed like there's so much volume there. It's not it's not impacting Higgins or Boyd at all. Like there's so much volume. They're playing a little bit faster, which is good too. I mean, there's so much to like here in terms of props, in terms of points scored, and yeah, I mean, if it's 18. We're talking about miles per hour wind. If it's not sustained or, you know, gusts higher, like I'm not, I'm just not super worried about it. Both teams are going to be able to run. You know, we always think, you know, Tennessee is a run heavy team, but like they play fast, even though they run heavy. Um, They play quick. They're like third and no huddle rate. Like they just operate very fast. And we've all been waiting for the other shoe to drop on Tennessee's offensive efficiency for a year and a half. And it just hasn't happened. Like they're just, they're super efficient. Cincinnati plays. I think either the most or the second most press coverage. And they have two very small cover corners. Um, I mean, AJ Brown is going to destroy in this game. Um, there will be an AJ Brown slant touchdown in this game. I mean, Corey <laughs> Davis, Corey Davis has been balling of late too. Um, I'm going to be interested in Jonas Smith props. I think that I'm pretty sure Baltimore is, I'm sorry, Cincinnati is the worst so far against defending the tight end position. Um, Jonu came back last week, was hurt a little bit the week prior, you know, didn't do much against Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's terrific against tight ends. So maybe we see a little bit of deflated number on Jonu. Like I'm, this is just when props start to hit tomorrow. I think this is the first one I'm opening up to just to jump in there and, and see if I can get on some early action. So I really love, love all of it. I don't really have a great feel for the side. I feel like Tennessee probably wins, but like, Again, we both continue to be a little bit more bullish on Cincinnati than we maybe should be. I don't know that I would say that they're live here, but like, I don't. I think there's going to be so many points that the back door is open for, you know, Cincinnati to keep it close, and you know, I, I'd be, I could see a four point game or or something like that. So, total or the spreads kind of a stay away for me. Yeah, I uh, love this one. All right, uh, next we have the Rams on the road against the Dolphins, uh, three and a half. Some threes out there as well. Total at 46. Uh, this would be a situational betters wet dream here with the Rams traveling east to Miami on a short week to play in the early slot. Um, 
you know, the Rams have a bye next week. Uh, so they may be looking ahead to, you know, a little bit of time off. Then they start to play a really tough slate against the rest of the NFC West, which is by far the best division in the game so far. Um, slight lean towards Miami here early in terms of the betting market. Uh, it's dropped this from four to three and a half. Obviously, the big news in the game here in the matchup is the debut of Tua. What this means for Miami, both in the short term and long term. Uh, Aaron Donald is baptism by fire for Tua, that's for sure. Uh, what are your early thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just pumped to watch Tua Tungavailoa, right? He, well, I actually saw something today from Colin Cowherd about saying that he thinks that Tua is going to bust. So that makes me even more comfortable doubling down <laughs> on Tua being good. Um, and, uh, but the issue is this, this is not a particularly easy place to start. Uh, the Rams defense, 11th in DVOA, 5th in yards per drive, 2nd points per drive allowed. So it's not like this is a cakewalk or anything. I know that there is a lot of trends you know, pointing in his direction about the Miami winning, but I don't think it's going to be super easy. I also thought it was kind of a weird decision for the Dolphins to make. There's definitely an easier stretch for them you know, in like two or three weeks to put him in. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for watching him play. I think that he's going to be a good player, you know, eventually. Just maybe not in this spot. Um, on the other side of the ball, Miami is a massive run funnel, ranking 32nd in run DVOA and then um, sixth in pass DVOA. So really, I think that the Rams might focus on trying to attack them in the running game um, with some combination of Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and then I don't know if you heard or not, but I, I think that they drafted a guy named Cam Akers. I don't know where where he's been, um, you know, in the last few weeks or actually this season, pretty much. But uh, maybe he'll see the field like one or two snaps. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. They had like he was their <laughs> first pick in the draft too. Like they didn't have a first round pick. Like and they traded up to get him. Like I just so bizarre to me. Yeah. It was bizarre at the time, and I liked Akers as a prospect at Florida State. I mean, he had no offensive line there, and. and looked like a baller and, you know, good in the passing game, a good blocker, like look like a really legit three down prospect, but uh, cannot find his way uh, onto the field in the last few weeks for sure. You mentioned it. I mean, I think it's a great spot for both running games. You know, while, you know, you, you called out all the, you know, issues that Miami has, the Rams have not been great at defending the run either. And I feel like in the two a game, you know, just, kind of making it easy for him, especially early. I feel like they're going to lean on the run. And I like this under, I bet the under at 46, just because I feel like they're, this will be one of those games that it's like one fifteen here in Chicago. And it's like, that game's at halftime already. <laughs> what? Why is that game at half? Oh, because they just, both teams just ran the yes. crap out of the ball. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, getting, you know, again, anything over 44, I think is a little too high. Um, I don't think it's going to move that spot's so held at 46 and, um, you know, it looks like money is coming in pretty balanced there. So I feel like that total stays. I already hit the under and, um, yeah, four of the last five Rams games have gone under the total as well. They just, they run it really well. They're pretty efficient with the passing game with, uh, you know, all the pre-stat motion, you know, all the play action stuff that McVay does, to you know, kind of mitigate Goff and uh, his ability to adapt on his own, but yeah, I just I feel like this is a spot where you know Devontae Parker's probably neutralized a little bit with Jalen Ramsey, and we just don't know the chemistry that they have. You know, how does the how does the team really react to Tua? I'm sure that they're fine with it. They have a buy to, to kind of get 
up to speed. But uh, yeah, I think that there's a spot for this one to, to be over quickly because both teams run pretty well. Um, Miles Gaskin will be interesting to me in the prop market, depending on what they do with Jordan Howard again. That's kind of been the you know the trigger around any you know Gaskin props or if he's viable at all because he's basically handling you know eighty five percent of the the workload on those games where Howard's been out. So that's kind of it for me. Yeah, I don't I don't have too much to add. I, th- I think that we can you know move on to the next game there. To be honest, all right, Colts on the road against the uh, the Lions. Seeing threes, three and a half out there, um, or two and a half, I'm sorry, two and a half at FanDuel, I believe, which is interesting. Total stayed pretty consistently at 50 for most of the week so far. Um, Colts traveling to Detroit off a bye. Uh, public lean so far on the Colts, even though it's moved there at FanDuel. The Lions passing game, hey, we talked about it. I mean, they got off to a really slow start. They are the most efficient passing game in the league over the last four weeks since Kenny Galladay has returned. Just a true difference maker, bails them out, um, you know, first down run, second down run, third down, Galladay make a play. And it's it's worked um, here and there. I wish that they'd be a little bit more multiple early in the, you know, in downs and a little bit more efficient. You know, things were, were fun last year in that offense. But uh, what are your thoughts here? I actually, I so I took a little piece of action on the Colts at two and a half early in the week on like a look ahead. Uh, I'm surprised it's going back down now, but you know I, I do lean the Colts at two and a half, three probably lean still the Colts, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit tougher. I just kind of bet around a key number that I thought would end up closing at three and put a little action down on it. Uh, my my bigger plays here is so um, Detroit, you know, hasn't been very good in the trenches. I mean, they've been getting beat up in multiple areas. 29th in adjusted line yards allowed, 25th in pressure rate and 25th in adjusted sack rate. So, uh, I mean, Philip um, Rivers should have plenty of time. Uh, also think that it could be a big week for Jonathan Taylor, who's seen his snap share rise in four consecutive games. Also saw four targets in their last game. Um, so I actually, some early props came out for points, but I took over 15 and a half receiving yards um, for Taylor and would consider, you know, the rushing yardage, which is also, it's at 68. Um, I think maybe I'll take a combined prop, you know, if we can get that around like 80 ish, something like that, 85, I'm sure that it'll be higher. I think that his, his, uh, receiving prop will probably be closer to 20, uh, when it opens a draft Kings, we haven't projected right now for 28. Um, and I, I think part of the reason is that it's like part of a function of work of playing with Philip rivers. And then if you're on the field, like, and you're running and they're running any kind of pass play, like you're going to see targets, uh, as a running back playing with Philip rivers. So if he's playing more, which he did last time, it was like 72%, I think was what he played at the last time they played. Um, you know, I, I think that if, if that keeps improving now out of a buy, like I think he, you know, really, uh, the, the ceiling is the roof for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to see, see what they pull with him. And that that's probably how I'll be attacking this game most. Yeah, I like the spot for Taylor for sure. He's definitely on my list of, of early leans and looks for for props here. Um, I don't have a real feel on the side or total. Um, it's kind of a stay away for me. I would lean Detroit at the full three, but um, I don't think it's anything that I that I act on. Um, again, although I think all things considered, um, I think Frank Wright's probably what I would consider – you know, a top 10 coach in the league. So Frank right off a bye, I feel probably pretty good about him getting it together and, you know, setting them up. That's also, again, the assumption of rational coaching that we're leaning into with hoping the emergence of Taylor is something sustained 
that we saw the last couple of weeks pre-buy as well. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. I mean, um, that offensive line has been a little bit disappointing for all the preseason hub that they had. I mean, they are protecting Rivers, but I want to see them just maul people. This is a spot where they should be able to do that. I mean, there's a lot to be desired on the Detroit side defensively. So, um, yeah, I'd probably lean the points, but it's not anything that I'm I'm going to take. Uh, Taylor, though, I'm with you. All right, this one's a tough scene, Connor. I don't know what to do here. Uh, Patriots on the road against the Bills. Uh, we are seeing basically fours across the board. Buffalo, three and a half. FanDuel, uh, total dropping as well. Pretty consistently all week has been, been on the decline. Public is a pretty split uh, heading into the news today uh, with Julian Edelman. Um, you know, obviously Edelman out missing a few weeks at least, undergoing a procedure on his knee. It's been an issue for him all season. I don't even know, like, unfortunately, if that moves the needle or not. I mean, he's been really, um, you know, not involved very heavily the last couple of weeks, which is just weird. I mean, this should be a spot for New England to run and run successfully on Buffalo. Um, though Cam only had one design run last week against the Niners, which doesn't make any sense. But, you know, Buffalo's dead last and rushing success rate allowed. I would think a heavy dose of Cam. I'd think a heavy dose of Damian Harris. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I think that there's a decent chance that the Patriots, you know, cover and potentially win uh, for, for a variety of reasons. I know that they looked awful and that, uh, you know, if Cam Newton keeps playing like he does, like he doesn't, he's not going to last very long. He's going to get yanked and this is going to look like a, you know, a silly lean. But um, I, I think that there's a decent chance to get the running game going against this Bills team, like you said, dead last and rushing success rate allowed. Um, and when the Pats are functioning well, I think, you know, the running the ball with Cam Newton, they're, they're establishing the run on the ground. Like Cam is not going to, they don't want him to drop back and throw the ball like 40 times. It's just not their game anymore. And then also on the other side, I mean, Josh Allen, uh, he played well early in the season, but he's kind of dropped off a little bit. And uh, I do think it is worth noting that Bill Belichick has really had his number in his career. Um, they, he has scored 10, 12, and 17 points against the Patriots. And then all in all, he's completed just 48% of his passes for six yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and five interceptions. Um, so, I mean, I know that the Patriots' defense was much better in the past, but still I think you know there's plenty of scheming that can be done. And the – you know, we're not trying to be weathermen, but the, the weather forecast is also not looking good. It's supposed to be a lot of rain. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, this this spells like, you know, Josh Allen completing 50% of his passes and uh, not living up to that MVP hype. So give me the Patriots here at plus four. I think that they are live outright. Um, and I think that their team total right now is sitting at like, I mean, like 18 and a half, 19 in some spots. I think that's you know a little bit too low. I think they can get to 20 points pretty easily, even if the weather is pretty bad. Yeah, I would, I would lean New England. I mean, I know this made it sound terrible at the top. Um, I, I think they are live. I won't bet it. Um, but I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I feel like there are reasons and schemes that Belichick can do to, to really mitigate the Buffalo side. So, um, yeah, I just – we're looking at – just a really depleted, questionable passing court that uh, that Cam has here. I mean, I think you're, you're going to see a lot of James White. I, I don't know what happened. I loved James White's props last week, and he saw one target. Um, he had had eight and nine the previous two games. Uh, he saw one last week. Uh, so I don't know if that was – he didn't practice 
Wednesday or Thursday leading up to the week. So I don't know if that had something to do with it, if there's something going on there, but we're, we're never going to know. We'll never get that information from New England's, but it just didn't make any sense to me. I think we see him like he'll be thrust into slot snaps essentially here. I mean, we have um, just a, there's no one to throw to. Um, I, you know, Jules is out. The Keela Harry might not play. He's dealing with a concussion. I think he's stuck in concussion protocol. Uh, it's going to have to be the backs and cam here. So, um, yeah, important game in the division. I mean, the Patriots are in trouble, but that division is still up for grabs, obviously, with with uh, the Jets being a non-entity and, you know, Tua being shifted in there as the quarterback. So um, they lose this one, though. I feel like there's a really good chance that they are big-time sellers at the trade deadline and then things oh, yeah. look way different. Yeah, yeah, I think that this this is kind of a make or break game for them. Is that they could? I mean, the report was that they're listening to offers on anyone. Uh, I mean, but the reality is, is like that they just don't really have a whole lot of like good, like valuable players in terms of <laughs> a lot of other roster. I mean, like really, when you think about it, like which offensive skill players are they going to be like traded for? None. Um, like I don't know, probably zero. Um, and maybe if Julian Edelman was healthy, but I mean, he's. He's not. Uh, so now the defensive side, I mean, it's pretty much Stefan Gilmore, but he even he hasn't really all been all that good this year. I think, you know, he's seen maybe it's the age cliff. Maybe it's just the defense not functioning as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it definitely is. Could be a make or break game for them here. They restructured his deal in the offseason, too. And he's got a lot of money coming this year. Like there's there's a reason like he might be not back anyway. Like he is probably the trade candidates uh he'd be you know the most appealing option on the market and he'd be probably what could bring him back the most in return so he's kind of the interesting one to to watch out for all right next we have the raiders on the road against the browns browns two and a half point favorites here at home someone has held steady all week at two and a half um total here has continued to drop as well i believe we're looking at mostly 51s um Make sure that hasn't moved in the last couple hours. Yeah, 51 is basically across the board. Uh, early lean in the market obviously has been on the home team uh, Raiders, uh, you know, with all that money coming out in Vegas. It's kept it under three. Uh, tough one because, like, this one is another one of those. It sounds like apparently there's going to be weather issues, which I think is why the total is low. But it's like both teams love to run the ball, but. Neither team really plays with a lot of pace, but like they both put up a ton of points. I think only Seahawks games uh, have the highest points on an average basis in the in the league so far this year. Uh, second is the Raiders, third is the Browns. So like even though they run a lot and they don't play fast, their defense is just so bad. Uh, they both give up a ton, a ton of points. So uh, I don't really know what to do with this one. If the weather becomes an issue and there's wind here as well. That kind of um, makes sense why the total is dipped. But, you know, early lean here was like, man, points again. Uh, what are your thoughts here? I think the key to the game for me is that I think both teams try a run-heavy approach. They're fourth and fifth in one score game uh, run rate in terms of like, you know, when the game is within one score, uh, they run the ball at the fourth and fifth highest rate. Um, so, but I think the thing is that the Raiders should try and open open it up against the Browns defense that is much worse at defending the pass than they are the run. But, I mean, it comes down to, like, the assumption of rational coaching. Like, do they actually do that? Uh, I would say I have no idea. Um, so, 
I, I think that largely depends on whether the Raiders are, are live. I mean, if they go pass heavier here, I think that they're very much live against the Browns. If they try and just like slam the ball with Josh Jacobs and, you know, maybe a banged up offensive line, I'm not sure that that's their best course of action. I mean, that's probably no team's best course of action, to be honest. But um, in this spot particularly, I, I think that there could be some interesting spots to take Josh Jacobs under on his props. Um, like he's, those are always really high. And like even last week against – the Bucks, you know, where they've basically let up no more than 58 yards to a group of like amazing running backs and amazing offenses. His props still came out to like 70 yards. Uh, so we were able to grab the under on that, which is awesome. And then I think even here, I mean, the Browns defense has been uh, pretty stout at, at or decent at defending the run. So um, Kareem Hunt props though could be interesting because I do think that Cleveland still ends up running the ball. Odell Beckham out. Um, but the, you know, the Vegas, run defense uh it felt weird saying that but the vegas run defense um is not good and so i think kareem Hunt, who saw you know over 90 percent of the work in the backfield last week uh could be a big factor in this one and i know the props the props have been crazy high though that's the issue is that yeah i keep saying this i keep saying you know let's try out kareem hunt and then they're like 86 or 87 you know and i'm just like there's just not much there's not much value at that point left so i don't know we, we haven't projected a 99 this okay. week which is Healthy, healthy total. <laughs> um, I'm with you on both of those things. Actually, the notes that I have is like, I need to be betting more unders in props. I feel like that, you know, that's really, really should be anyway. And the one guy that I should be shorting more times than not is, is Jacobs. Like, kind of is who we thought he was coming into the season. He had that nice game in week one, but we were on him in week one. We thought that was a really good spot, but like, he didn't even play 50% of the snaps last week. Uh, Richard and Booker really eating into his role. He's not really involved at all in the passing game. And when they get down, he's just, he's nowhere to be found. So I, I like the Browns. I bet it early in the week at two and a half. Cause I thought, well, this won't hold like this will at least get to three and a half. But I think there's been so much Vegas money here coming in on the Raiders that it's held off. And um, yeah, I mean, I just, I thought the Browns were a playoff team coming into the season. I shorted the Raiders. I, I bet under on their win total. Um, they've been better offensively than I think any of us thought that they would be. And um, I just don't think that they go on the road here and win. And um, I'm in on, on hunt. I don't know if I'll hit his props up to see, like you said, where it comes out, but I, I mean, I like this spot for them to have some success. His numbers have been high, but you know, he's had some difficult matchups, you know, obviously last week against Cincinnati was not a tough one, but since he's been kind of thrust in this role with Nick Chubb down, like, you know, Pittsburgh gets a tough spot to go out and, you know, put up a ton of yards. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Darren Waller, I think, will have uh, a nice day here. Cleveland's really struggled against tight ends. He's kind of their, you know, their main, most consistent passing game option. If wind does become, become an issue, we're looking at lower dot players, you know, more of a, a Waller game than a Henry Ruggs or even Nelson Aguilar, who for some reason is <laughs> popping this year. That's a thing. Um, on the Cleveland side, it looks like, you know, we obviously have some passing game opportunity opening up with Odell being out. And it looks like Austin Hooper is going to miss this one again. Uh, both David Njoku and Harrison Bryant found the end zone last week, though Bryant ran a snap on 62% of the snaps compared to just 45 for Njoku. Those aren't super exciting prop markets to enter into. They'll probably be really low. But again, like the dynamic of the team changes. We know that Stefanski likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. So even though like, Hooper's out, you know, these guys are still 
you know, very important in, in their offense. And then obviously Rashad Higgins, Donovan people, Jones, both sliding into, you know, more prominent roles with Odell out. So yeah, Cleveland for me, I would lean over. I haven't hit the over. I kind of want to see where the line settles at and then what, you know, we're seeing maybe Saturday night, Sunday morning in terms of weather. But I feel like this is going to be a spot for points. All right. Next, we have the uh, Packers uh, at home against the Vikings here. Six and a half is the number. Looks like we're turning to seven. Do we have any sevens out there? I do uh, not see any. Uh, Fanduel. Fanduel? I guess I need a refresh. Yeah, let's see here. Or maybe I need a refresh. I don't know. I mean, it's, let's see here. Um, I have Fanduel at six and a half. Oh, uh, no. I, this has moved. This is five and a half of Fanduel now. Whew. Wow. Yeah. It was seven on my screen. I refreshed and it. It's five and a half. Six is everywhere. So wow. What happened here? Right, well, I'm interested. I might be interested in this game all of a sudden. Uh, I mean, Vikings, Vikings coming off a bye, uh, heading to Green Bay, obviously a week one rematch. Green Bay really dominated that game in the first three quarters. Lots of points, 43 to 34. Uh, early betting public really had no faith in the Vikings. It's really looking like 90% of the handle on Green Bay, which drove it up to seven. Be interesting to see if there was some big money that's come in lately here on the Packers. Maybe looking like no Aaron Jones and people think that that's an issue. I'm not quite sure. Um, this feels like a very similar spot to the last game that we just talked about with the Browns and the Raiders. Two teams that love to run. Their total combined plays on average are pretty low. They don't play with much pace. Um, you know, even the first match, I mean, Minnesota put up a bunch of points, but I think they had like 50 plays in the game where they somehow managed to get to 34 points in garbage time. Uh, this kind of speaks to Green Bay's defense as well, who did look better. I mean, they played pretty well against the Texans last week, especially in the first half. Again, they continue to give it up in the end. It's like they just go into prevents and just allow you to, to pick them apart. And, you know, that's what happened with Deshaun and looks like what happened there with Minnesota in week one. Um, yeah, thoughts on this one? I don't have too much of a take on it, I guess, either way. Initially, I, I mean, we were seeing some Green Bay, like minus five and a half, minus five. Now at five and a half on FanDuel, like we were talking about, I mean, the, pretty much the rest of the board is at six and a half or six. So I think there's a you know a little bit of value there on Green Bay. Um, the, the matchup is still pretty good for both teams, but I think it is worth noting that this is, you know, the second matchup of a divisional game tends to lead to lower scoring historically. Um, and Minnesota's defense is still getting burned over the top dead last and explosive pass rate allowed, but green Bay's run defense has actually been, you know, getting a little bit better. Um, you know, that was kind of one of their big weaknesses, especially, you know, we saw it in um, the playoffs, especially against the 49ers. Like they were just very few teams can like run the ball as efficiently as the 49ers, but when a team can, they can take advantage of this. And, We've seen Minnesota kind of hang around in years past just because they could run the ball with Dalvin Cook um, and it kind of keep the game close or, or win. But now in this spot, if Green Bay's run defense is playing a little bit better and the Packers' offense is still, you know, carving them up, I think that it's it's tough not to lean towards the Packers here. I The one thing I would say, Green Bay, 30th in pressure rate. Uh, I mean, their secondary has been strong, but at least should give, um, you know, Cousins a little bit of time. And um, Justin Jefferson wasn't a thing in week one. So, uh you know, he's he's kind of like coming on a little bit stronger. I did see some pretty noteworthy zone versus man splits for Kirk Cousins that I think are, are pretty actionable here. Um, his completion rate takes a massive hit. Um, 
and yards per attempt, two yards lower versus zone. And the Packers are playing a ton of zone the last couple of years, in particular against uh, Minnesota too. I think we've seen that. You know, obviously he got there. We he scored 34 points in the first game. Again, I, I don't know what that looks like as far as what their man zone situation was late in that game. But, you know, this is not necessarily a great spot for Cousins on the road in the division outside. Like, I just, I don't, I don't love it for him. I don't know that I love Green Bay as more so feels like I feel pretty confident in a Green Bay teaser leg. I don't know that I want to lay, you know, this much to your point, like points probably being a little bit tighter. Now, I will say Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, um, you know, again, not good corners, but they're three of Minnesota's top four. They all look doubtful for this game. They've not practiced all week. Uh, that does not bode well. David Bakhtiari, uh, the, you know, all pro left tackle for the Packers did return to practice today. So he's back in this one too. So like even without Aaron Jones, you know, I think Green Bay sets up to be in a, in a pretty good spot here. Devontae Adams is a machine. I mean, I don't know what his prop market's going to be, but like against this crappy secondary, like even last week, the game got out of control, 13 balls on 16 targets for almost 200 yards of two scores. I mean, everyone else is really taking a hit. Like MVS is basically non-existent. Uh, you know, Tanyan really hasn't done anything since Adams has been back. I mean, those guys had six targets combined last game. So, I mean, it's going to be another massive explosion spot here for, for Adams. So, Absolutely love taking a look at what his numbers are. I mean, I, what do we have, Matt? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. We have uh, he has. I think it's worth notable noting too. Last seven times that he's played uh, Minnesota, he's either has a hundred yards, which he had in three games, or a touchdown in the other four games. So, and even in those other four games, uh, I mean, he had you know like 69, 64, 54, 44 yards, but he had you know five catches, eight catches, you know, like pretty much in every game, like he's scoring a ton of points. So, um, I mean, maybe, yeah, we, I think we haven't, yeah, we haven't projected for over a hundred yards, eight receptions okay. for 104. Uh, and I think that that's kind of reasonable to be honest. I think that, you know, like Paulson does a good job with projections because he's not afraid to go out on a limb and he's really just projecting what he thinks happens, even though, you know, maybe it's a little bit higher than a lot of other median projections. Yeah. I mean, in some of those numbers earlier days were probably baked into a decent Xavier Rhodes who was still there and that, He's not there and he hasn't been good for a little bit. So, um, yeah, it feels like a really good spot for them. Um, I don't know. I, if this total drops, I maybe would lean over a little bit. I know, you know, we have some friends that we respect their opinions that are interested in the over here. Um, so I want to take a look at that a little bit closer. Again, if it continues to dip, you know, under the 50 and get a little bit closer to uh, some high 40s, I might take a look. All right, next we have the Chargers on the road against the Broncos. Chargers, three-point favorites here in the division on the road. Uh, books clearly feel like they set the line right. Uh, there are like 95% of the money coming in on the Chargers, and it's holding steady at three. Um, what are your thoughts here? Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, we're actually – so there's a, there is a little bit of three-and-a-halves here in some of the books, but okay. it's you know, heavily shaded towards – the um the Broncos are minus one twenty five. It's you know even money and three and a half in the Chargers. I this feels like the trap game, you know, of the week pretty much. Um like Herbert's been playing so well. The Chargers have been playing, you know, generally a lot better. Um and the Bron but the Broncos have just been, I mean, they've been decent on defense. I would say below average on offense. 
um, since, you know, lock with, with lock healthy. Um, and I literally took in my notes that I took, you know, on Monday, just like heavy, heavy money is going to be on the chargers here. Um, and for me, that means it's, it's a game to avoid, even though Herbert's been playing just like out of his mind. Um, I don't know. I think, I think that uh, on the road for the chargers at, at Denver, um, I think that there's definitely a way that, you know, the chargers only wind up winning by three in this spot. Uh, and then also with uh, Lindsay, you know, out uh, Melvin Gordon should see dominate touches again. And Keenan Allen continues to be a target hog for Herbert at QB. So I think that those are, you know, two of my most notable things on the game as well. I think Lindsay practiced today. Did he really? I thought he was, I thought he was uh, done. Uh, yeah, I thought he was going to be done too. I was surprised because I had notes about yeah. Gordon. Um, you know, concussion. Yeah. I, th- I felt like he wasn't – then I saw earlier just before we hit record that he, it was – I think he practiced. So right. I don't know if he was well, spotted at practice or <laughs> – Oh, no, no. Wait, yeah. He what is this? He didn't practice Thursday, it says. Returned to practice and then they like they uh can't like changed it and said that he did non contact individual drills on Thursday's practice but didn't practice in the team's regular session. So they went back against their initial report, which was that okay. he did practice. He returned to practice but didn't actually practice. Oh, so <laughs> kind of right. I don't, I don't really know. That's just doesn't really seems like he might play. I don't know. That's the best I can probably give. Thank you. We went to dinner. Would you eat? No, I didn't eat anything. We just went to dinner. Like, what? You you go to dinner, you eat. Like you, you return to practice. I would assume you practiced. It's just asinine. yeah. You were very generous. You said that the uh, Drew Locke led Broncos have not. They've been okay offensively. Thirty first in offensive. Thirty <laughs> first offensive uh, DVOA. Um, yeah, I mean, basically the Jets are just booing them to to prevent them from hitting. The bottom here and now, like Tim Patrick, who slid into the Cortland Sutton role, he's probably out with a hammy. Um, I'm with you though; like I'm not in on the Chargers on like laying the points here because it feels like a trap game. Um, for all those reasons you said, they're just we could point out all the reasons that, that the Broncos are, are a team that we would want to attack in a normal situation. But uh, yeah, I. I was on the Chargers under last week. I mostly thought like it was just going to be a slow pace game with you know two teams that are really inefficient offensively that play slow, but like Herbert is balling. They are now playing fast. Suddenly, like they're playing fast. If you look at their last few weeks with Herbert there, so um, I do like the Chargers over. So like I don't know what that means for this game. Maybe it means if I think that this is going to stay close, like I should probably like the game over. This allows me to separate Drew Locke from the situation and lean into what I think that the, especially now the total dropped. It was at 45 all week today, it dropped to 44 and a half. And that brought the Chargers team total down to 23 and a half. So I like that getting under the 24. You highlighted, I mean, Keenan Allen is just a target hog. Um, I think they'll have some success with whatever they want to do in the passing game. They are one of the, you know, bottom two efficiency rushing offenses. Uh, I don't know that they'll have a ton of success. I think they lean on Herbert and that helps too with pace and points. So um, I'm in on the chargers team total. Uh, But what do we do here with uh, Melvin Gordon revenge game? If, uh, if Lindsay is indeed out, do you think he has any success? I mean, I'm sure that he has, you know, some success, but um, I mean, the Chargers have been, you know, fairly middle of the road uh, defending the run, like, you know, 17th DVOA, 
uh, 20th explosive run rate, uh, 20th adjusted line error. So I guess they're towards the bottom, but I just don't think that that's super actionable in terms of like something that we can be like, okay, that's a spot to attack or, okay, yeah. that's like, you know, got where a guy's going to have success. Um, you know, he might, he's going to be like, he's a bet on volume type of play um, in this spot. If Lindsay is out, uh, which, you know, it doesn't seem like we have any idea. I think the only way that it's bettable is that if like sports books throw out a line before we know whether or not Lindsay's going to play and it's like, you know, assuming one way or the other. Um, yeah. But most of the time, you know, sports books aren't really doing that that much anymore. Like they're kind of, they kind of learn from that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure how interested I am in Gordon here in the spot. Fair. All right, next we have the Saints on the road against the Bears. Uh, looking at fours, four and a half um, in most spots. Yeah, four and a half across the board, basically, at this point in the week. Uh, total has been dipping as well. Look like 43 and a half. Um, I know we'll look ahead to have this at the Saints minus two and a half. We talked about that last week on the show with um, Andy and the Whale. Um, those jumped up now, despite pretty balanced in action so far. Uh, I'm pretty sure you jumped in on look heads on the Saints. I did. I, I jumped in mid show. Actually, I was like, oh, nice. you know, I was like, oh, this nice. is. I, I said it, and I actually did it. I was like, all right, you know, what, let me let me mute myself and scroll through uh, and hit some of these because, uh, I mean, that was just. I not even that. I mean, we were both pretty sure that the Bears would lose. I didn't think that they would look that bad because I thought you know the Rams have really been suspect at times like against the giants we saw them so you know i thought that there was a chance that they turned in a subpar performance and played down to the bears um but they did not you know they i would say like just manhandled the bears and now there's a saints team which i think is you know a a top tier team and so getting them at two and a half was a no-brainer for me i think the bears are now they've now fallen to the most overrated five and two team in nfl history (laughs) instead of five and one um i mean their offense is pathetic Foles in their offensive line are struggling. The Saints is tenth. Saints is tenth in DVOA. Bears are sixth, but um, I think they have a few more holes to poke, including you know they're actually dead last in explosive run rate allowed, and are just twenty sixth in pressure rate. Uh, so I think that's you know right up the Saints alley and what with like you know giving Breeze some time, a few big runs from Kamara, uh, Latavius Murray, uh, and we know that the Bears' offense has just been dreadful um, in you know a lot of areas. So. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I mentioned to you guys that maybe the Bears are getting a little too much heat, especially on the offensive side, because they played against like pretty much only goals. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that there will be a chance to take advantage of that down the road. This is not that spot. So I think, you know, maybe if we can get a few more weeks of getting the, them getting the shit kicked out of them, I think that that could be, you know, a buy low spot eventually. But here, I think beyond the Saints at two and a half, um, Consider some uh, Darnell Mooney props. I mean, he saw 155 air yards, played 89% of the snaps, and actually, you know, dusted Jalen Ramsey once or twice uh, and and got open. It's just a shame that the offensive line couldn't hold up. Otherwise, Foles would have had like a, whatever, like 90-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter there uh, to Mooney. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think those are those are probably my biggest notes. At four, are, I mean, are you taking this at four, or, or what are you doing with this? I don't know. I I have a little. It's weird for me to hear you say nice things about the Saints because um, I that's fair. Feel like I'm always on the Saints, and you're you know always have some trepidation. I guess I don't think the weather is going to be a problem here necessarily. Um, I haven't looked at you know our forecast locally, but uh, you know, get always a little bit nervous about dusty ass Drew Brees you know, outside <laughs> of the dome 
against uh, a decent defense who I'm with you. Like, I think they're overrated. I think that the lack of pressure is a problem. And you mentioned the highlighting of, you know, their inability to stop, you know, big runs. That's been a problem for them. So I would lean saints. I don't know that I would chase it if you didn't get the two and a half or maybe even a three. Um, I, I still doesn't mean I'm, I'm probably not taking Chicago under any scenario. This is probably just no. Saints or, or avoid, especially if Allen Robinson is out, which sounds very likely uh, concussion protocol. He hasn't practiced as of you know, Thursday evening. So that is another reason to look at uh, Mooney props, though obviously the books will adjust if, if Robinson is out, but it's still number is still number number still will not be very high. So mm-hmm. yeah, Saints are stay away, but again, if you didn't get the two and a half or the three, just kind of a, a fade spot. I'm worried a little bit about the game environment. It looks like Michael Thomas is back practice today. It looked, or at least went to practice today. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. Do we need to double check and go back to our went, world? Make sure that I saw a picture of him <laughs> at practice. Um, I don't know about Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, you know, just the scoring environment in general feels a little dicey. I mean, with a guy like Kamara involved, I don't know that I necessarily want to be, pulling for an under because he's just so explosive and dynamic. And if Michael Thomas is involved, I feel like he can, he can eat as well, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a 43 and a half. So it's not super exciting to be under, but I think this one is not going to have a whole lot of points regardless of, of Robinson's status. Maybe, uh, maybe some David Montgomery unders. I mean, like he's getting a ton of volume, but uh, like, He's not doing anything with it. And so I don't know, maybe like some rushing yard unders and like he is at, I would say he has like probably like 1% risk or 1% chance of breaking like a 20 yard run. So, I mean, your risk is very low of him just busting it open on one play. Like I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I don't know. You can probably get his props around like, you know, high 50, something like that. Um, I think he'll, he reasonably could end up with like 40 yards, especially if the saints fall behind, it'll probably just be a lot of pass catching and which, you know, maybe you can consider his receptions, but the market's been pretty keen on, you know, keying in on that as he's pretty much taken on. Nope. You muted there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, basically just going to, he took on uh, Cohen's passing game role there. So yeah. I think that the markets have kind of already adapted to that. I feel like he could, like, Cam Jordan could be rushing Nick Foles and he could do a draw to Montgomery and, like, Jordan will catch him before he still gets a 20 yard run. Like he could be all <laughs> the way upfield. That's how unexplosive yeah. David Montgomery is. So yeah, I just, yeah, I don't expect a lot of points. Do expect a lot of points in this next one though. San Fran at Seattle. Seattle is favored here at home. This one moved. It looks like it's back up to three in most spots. There is still a two and a half out there at FanDuel. I, I don't. I don't understand the two and a half. I uh, I don't even really understand the three. I feel like it's a little light. Back to back road games for the Niners. Obviously, an important division game. Um, I think there's going to be points, and I like Seattle. I mean, I I think yeah, Seattle in the over here for me. What do you like? Yeah, I mean, I, I grabbed Seattle at two and a half. We talked about Same. this, um, but I, I think it is worth noting that like the the Niners with a banged up secondary have struggled against teams who can you know pass the ball well. Dolphins, I mean, third in passing success. Uh, the Seahawks are uh, first in DVO or first in passing success rate, second in DVOA, passing DVOA. Their offense, I mean, they're letting Russ cook. We know that they've. Uh, I saw today Ben Baldwin tweeted out that 
basically the Seahawks have eliminated, you know, the worst play in football, which is the run on second and 10. They're running the ball at the lowest rate in the league on second and 10. Um, you know, I just want to praise any analytics people that got through to Brian Schottenheimer and convinced him to not do make these maneuvers and just like, yeah, I mean, lead to a smarter offense. We're seeing that come to come to fruition here with uh, the Seahawks, who scored 27 or more in every single game this season, um, and uh, 30 or more, I think, in every, all but one game. So I know that you know San Francisco's defense has still been pretty solid, even with like you know it seeming like half of their projected starting lineup out. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like the Seahawks here at two and a half. I mean, frankly, they, they should have won last week. I mean, there was like just some ridiculous plays that led to the Cardinals winning, like Russ throwing up like a pick in the end zone. Um, and then, um, there were a few other spots where I was just like, okay, you know, I, I didn't really have any action on Seattle on the side that we had it on the team total really heavy. So, but we don't, I mean, we almost missed that. Like they were at 27 and a half and we had like, we had what 29 and a half, something like that. And they almost missed. They almost didn't hit it just because it was like interception or like a sack for 20 yards when they're about to kick a field goal or like something like totally ridiculous. That would have been a really like you and I were victory lapping. Oh at, yeah. At halftime. At halftime. Like yeah, we, were just, we were, I was oh, counting yeah. the money and yeah, we were done. Like <laughs> I, it, it was like, I needed it to close like a teaser. I had like really heavy action on it by itself. Like, like done, you know, pants off second quarter. Like we're, we're almost there already. And then Russ throws three picks. It's just like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah, I, but I don't know if there's, there's some narrative in that, but like last week, this is a tough division. Last week was a division loss that they gave away. This is another game in the division. They can't afford to lose this one. And I just don't think that they do. I think that Russ will be motivated by the fact that he threw three picks again, if you want to find a way to, you know, bake in motivated, like he's not going to be unmotivated in any game. I get it. But like, <laughs> I just think we're going to see a really good Russ here against the Niners. These games are always tight. Even last year when the Niners were a significantly better team than Seattle was with all of their issues on the defensive side, these games were close and Seattle can score on them. And I think that they do again, successfully but i think the niners take advantage of that as well seattle's defense is so poor they force you into a pass heavy offense and i think you know brandon Ayuk has a nice opportunity to emerge here without debo samuel i think george kittle beasts in this game as well against seattle i think they are forced to throw to him Um, so i just i like the passing environment i feel like this is this should be a little bit higher and you know seattle in the total is something that i feel pretty confident in here I don't know what to do with props. I feel like there's some flop lag on DK Metcalf. Who? Like, I mean, I know he we were both it. on he that. He hit as well. it, and then he got called oh, back for that that uh, that flag. And he, like, I mean, he literally that was to hit this prop. And yeah, painful because that was my boy David Moore that held. Yeah, so, he needs to get his ass out of the game. He's done. He's on the. He's riding the pine for the rest of the. They season. shouldn't have him blocking. They should just be throwing at David Moore. Don't put him in blocking <laughs> situations. DK Metcalf is a blocker. David Moore oh. is a playmaker. So you just kidding. What? I just you kidding. I love DK. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, that was that was tough. But uh, I feel like we're aligned. I feel like that's one of the mm-hmm. one of my favorite plays in the board for sure. Way less exciting game that should not be in the Sunday night spot is Dallas at Philly. Uh, Philly favored here. Strong eights. I think eights and eight and a half even out there in the marketplace at this point here. Oh, there's a ten. Good lord. Uh, 
Points bet has 10. Where yeah, where that we're seeing that points bet. Okay. Yep. Eight and a half everywhere else. Points bet at 10. Good for you. Um trailblazing out there in the marketplace. Uh looks like Ben Danucci, the former pit quarterback, former James Madison, I think, is where he went. Like Yeah, James Madison. Yeah. I think he transferred. I think he was at Pitt and transferred. But uh I honestly didn't understand. I tried like doing some research and I just kind of gave up. I was like, you know what? This guy sucks. I, don't, I didn't really like need to know much more besides him being a late round draft pick and playing behind a t- pretty bad offensive line and playing alongside, you know, arguably the league's, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league. Like, okay, right now, okay, neutral field. What would you set the spread at? The Ben DiNucci led Cowboys <laughs> versus the Jets. Holy crap. I, I actually don't know. I think it's like legit close. I, I do think that they are close to the worst team in the league. Uh, yeah, the offensive line issues are such a problem. I, it's hard to mask. I mean, the secondary is a problem. I'd still probably do three and a half on the Cowboys side. I, the Jets are so bad. I know, but like, where are the Cowboys good? Like, where They're at this point? Like, where? Receiver. Yeah, that's. I mean, can Danucci get them the ball though? Like, we don't know. I think what did Lamb go like zero for six on his targets? (laughs) Gallup caught one of five. I think. I mean, Cooper caught a couple, but I don't even know if that was when Danucci was in the game. Like, you know, I mean, he was he was getting wrecked out there, man. It's a fair question. Um, I think I think that three or like honestly, maybe even like one and a half for the Cowboys is probably pretty close. Maybe okay, maybe three just because they can run the ball with Zeke. But even then, I mean, the Jets' run defense is, like, fine. I mean, it's not like they're, like, terrible. That's, like, probably their best aspect. It um, is their best aspect for sure. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. I think it's legit close. But anyways, that leaves me my point. Uh, I took the Eagles at minus eight here. I texted you guys. I was like, this is, like, stupid. Like, this is going to – by the time Dalton is officially ruled out, um, you know, friend of the show, John Daigle, was like, yeah, like, he's not even in meetings right now. So there's no shot that Dalton's playing, um, which is – I mean – Dalton's at the stare at the wall phase of his concussion protocol, which is like, you know, you need to just not do anything. You can't watch TV. Like, you know, you need to just do nothing and not think about anything. Um, so he's not playing. Um, so we're seeing Ben DiNucci and the Cowboys against the Eagles, who I don't, I don't even care. I mean, they're like a decent team, but anything less than like 10 points, I think that they, they just lost to the Washington football team by 22 points, man. And it wasn't even that close. No. Yeah. Like, I mean, they just got – beat down for like you know the entire game yeah no i'm with you i think it's a fair question i mean uh yeah i would say three three and a half but i feel like it's i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to bet it like i'm gonna tweet this out after this game because this is is a legit question that's a good question yeah i don't know i mean we're seeing more tony tony pollard of late as well like i don't know if that's just like offensive line is so bad as zeke's fumble issues like that that hurts you know, Zeke props, not like we'd be attacking those necessarily because he'd probably still be too high. But maybe those are honors we need to look at. Um, Travis Fulgham's been in an alpha role. This is a really nice matchup for him. Jalen Rager is back, though, it appears, for Philly, which is, I think, you know, another thing that kind of helps them. They've been really poor outside of him, outside of Fulgham. So that helps definitely with Philly here. But uh, yeah, I don't even really want to watch this game. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably wait until. I get the abridged version and I'll watch the hour version of it on my own time. And yeah, um, I'll give my wife the three hours off after uh, <laughs> the rest of, you know, having to put up with uh, football from 8 a.m. until, yeah. you know, uh, 6 30, 7 o'clock at night. So I'll give her that, uh, give her those hours back 
I'll, I'll skip this one. All right. Uh, next we have uh, Monday Night Football. Tampa Bay on the road against the Giants. Tampa Bay um, was off the board for a little bit. It was 10.5 with all the Giants' COVID issues up front in the offensive line. It's popped back out in most spots here now at 12. Let me see what total is updated to. Total at 45 is dipped a little bit as well. Um, I mean, obviously, massive mismatch. Tampa is entering play with the league's best defense. Giants 30th in points per drive, 30th overall in offensive DVOA. Now they're going to have a issues up front and a really bad offensive line to begin with. Um, listen, I, I, I'm not going to do anything that's going to make me necessarily take a side on, and I think this has kind of come up a lot this week, especially in the you know Boston media around you know discussion around Tom versus Bill um, and what that looks like. I think this is really out of context. On a first name basis with them now, or what? Yeah, Tom, Tom versus Bill. I mean, it's what Adam told me to say. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like there's, it's just not fair. Like we're out of context and what that actually looks like. Um, oop, brought me back. But like we need to address the elephant in the room. You can shove it up your ass. You and Elliot and all these people <laughs> want to tell me that the GOAT is a washed system quarterback. He did you see that Scotty Miller touchdown pass last week? I saw it. It was, that was nice. a dime. He's balling and he's got he's yeah. motivated. Yeah, I mean he looks bring, good. I can't I can't deny it. Um so bringing an A B yeah, is gonna it's, be it's tall- they're, they're good, man. And yeah, no, they are, they are. They are. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, he looks good. He's playing well. Um, it's You have one more week of Scotty Miller season. Um, this is, you know, the final song unless, you know, Godwin or um, Evans becomes, like, seriously injured. It seems like, you know, Godwin's, like, kind of injured, but he should be back. Both of them should be back. But when Antonio Brown plays, Keep going uh, mute on me a little bit. Oh shit! Am I am I muted still here? Yeah. I hear you now. I don't know. It's sometimes when I hit my cord, you know, it always just gets messed <laughs> up here. Um, but yeah, in terms of this game, I think that you know we've been I've been attacking the Tampa Bay like opponents playing against Tampa Bay. They're rushing unders. Um, so like that's been Alvin Kamara and uh, Josh Jacobs. We talked about that. The issue is is that those are like name brand guys. Those are guys who get you know like markets in like the sixties and seventies or whatever, sixties. And now you're seeing Devonta Freeman or whoever the the giants are rolling out. Like they might not even set a prop. It's going to be so low. That's the issue. It's like, they might, not, like it might be like 20. So like, I mean, yeah, if he gets 20 carries or 15 carries, I mean, I'm sure maybe he can, you know, clear 20 yards, but maybe not, honestly, maybe not because their defense has been so good. So I don't know. I think in this, in general, in this game, I'm probably not going to be playing too much. Um, and maybe we'll see what our projections come out against the props. But, yeah, I probably won't have a ton of action on this one. Yeah, I think it could be a good Scotty Miller game because, like you said, I mean, we have another week without Godwin. Uh, Mike Evans has been just basically really uninvolved, which is strange. But then James Bradbury will likely shadow him. And like Bradbury has been really good and has been one of the lone guys that's been pretty much shadowing week in and week out you know, opponents, number one receivers. And there's definitely opportunity here for, for Miller to have a nice game. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like now that it's at 12, 
Um, not that I was excited about it at ten and a half, but it makes it really nice in a, in a teaser leg because you can do a six point tease and you know bring it under six. I still feel pretty good about that. I just don't see, I just don't see the Giants doing anything like this. I feel like Tampa Bay can score. Like this total might even still be too high at forty six. Um, I mean, at forty five at this point now. Like I don't know that I'll do anything with that. The Monday night game too. Like like we just saw with the Thursday game, you get that late steam in there so much action beforehand like there's still the ability to wait until sunday afternoon sunday night um you know to get something early and then even get maybe the best of the line just before it kicks off because these island games get hit so hard just before they kick so um probably want to jump on props that you like over early because i think those will get steamed up but unders like you said it might be interesting as well um Bruce Arians said Leonard Fournette is now his nickel running back, basically playing in hurry up and obvious passing situations. I mean, he outtouched Ronald Jones last week, seventeen to fourteen. So the I know that Ron- makes you happy. Ronald Jones victory laps have uh, slowed to a grinding halt, and uh, at least until Fournette you know gets hurt again or something like that. But uh, I mean, Jones will still be viable because they're going to be in such advantageous game scripts so often that. Uh, you know, he's still going to get a workload. They're smart not to use him in the passing game because he sucks there. But, uh, I mean, touchdown equity on anyone in that backfield is probably pretty high. Just think about this Bucks team. Like, what a difference it is. It's made in, like, one year and what they've done. It's like, you know, they went from, like, Jameis, Godwin, Evans, which is a fine offense. But now you have, like, you know, Brady. You have Gronk. You They had O.J. Howard. But then now they added Antonio Brown and – you know, Leonard Fournette is, I mean, definitely a very solid grinder uh, for, you know, what he is. He's not like he's a terrible player or anything, but he's probably probably better than Ronald Jones. Um, so, I mean, it's just a massive overhaul, and it seems like that they are poised to make a run here. Yeah, they're down, I think, 8-1, to one, um, you know, for the Super Bowl, which is wild. Um, I think they're like four to one, you know, plus four fifty. I think to win the NFC. I was looking the other day after the AB news. So, yeah, I mean, there Gronk is not dead either. Like that's that's even that's not the Tom Brady stuff is not surprising to me. Like I I felt like he didn't look good at times last year, but I thought that there was still a lot that was still there that that was viable. Like Gronk was a zombie that last almost entire year. He showed up for like two drives in the playoff game against Kansas City. He had one good play in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Otherwise, he looked just like just done at 31 years old. And he, a year off, um, you know, shit ton of CBD and whatever else he had going on. He's he's uh, he's feeling himself again. So it's, it's just interesting to see. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough. So what's your favorite play on the board to wrap us up for the week? Um, I think honestly, it's probably gonna have to be, you know, playing. Okay. Well, you know, the one that I took that doesn't exist, New Orleans minus two and a half against the bears. I like that a lot. But other than that, the one that's still, you know, kind of viable, I would take, I would take the Eagles up to 10 points. Um, and I think that's where it's going to close at once Dalton is officially out. Um, and you know, I, I just, I think that they win by like 20 or more. I I might points bet this actually, to be honest, if it's, and I just don't see a way in which they, I mean, maybe they don't cover the spread. You know, maybe they win by a touchdown somehow if the game entirely goes the Cowboys' way. But realistically, like, I think that the Eagles could win by, you know, th- like 30 points, 20 points is, like, very realistic. So, yeah, I think this, this is a good spot to points right here because the floor is, I mean, you know, pretty high, but, um, you know, the ceiling is, is even higher. So, 
points bet that one. I like it. Uh, I feel like my most, my strongest convictions are in, in some totals. I mean, we just talked about the San Fran Seattle total. I uh, love the over and uh, talked about how much I love and will continue to bet the Tennessee Cincinnati total as that slides. Um, I, I think the Browns win. I think they cover the two and a half against the Raiders team that I think is a little bit inflated in the marketplace based on their win against Kansas city. And um, yeah, it's probably my favorite. And I, the same thing. I, I feel like the, uh, I feel like the Seahawks are a really good play too. And, and I don't want to say like I have a ton of conviction, but again, I know we were, we were highly leveraged on Seattle on, on, sorry, on Pittsburgh last week. Like I think I probably will be again. I really, really like some of the underlying lagging indicators in this game that make me feel like, Pittsburgh is a good spot. I don't love back-to-back road games. I don't like Baltimore coming off of a bye. Um, but I just feel like the pressure is going to be an issue for the Ravens. And, um, you know, I think that the Pittsburgh, they're so dynamic offensively. I think they're going to have uh, the ability to score. So those are kind of my favorites. Uh, teaser. Let's see. What do we have here? So let's let's see. We'll probably have uh, – I didn't give you anything pre-show, but we could talk through it um, All right. real quick and wrap us up. Buccaneers are in there. Right. If we do a, say a six teamer. So we get Buccaneers down to six. Okay. Um, we do, we throw in your Eagles, right? We get them down yeah. under, we get them at two and a half or two, depending on what that line is. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we don't want to touch through the zero in a few places. Green Bay. Green Bay down to basically a pick them that I feel pretty convicted in. Um, if you're confident, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, I know you're a Bengals guy. Do we feel like Tennessee wins that game? Um, maybe probably yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I feel like since he's live as like a backdoor cover, but I don't know that they beat Tennessee. Like Tennessee's yeah. maybe better than, than we thought. I mean, they, yeah. Uh, I vote that we we tease the Patriots up to ten. I was going to make the case for Baltimore, but I can get on board with the Patriots one in there too. Um, okay. So that's basically you're looking at five teams, six points. I mean, it's going to be plus six hundred. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Plus six hundred there. So um, I typically don't bet the Patriots. So I would probably substitute Pittsburgh in there just for my own card. Okay. But I, I would feel confident in, uh, you know, getting 10 for New England. I feel like, especially with how they played of late, I feel like they, they show up. You just um, add them both and they get even bigger juice because they're both going to win. That's what happened last week, right? We talked about the fishy teaser last week and it hit and I actually made it even fishier. I added two more games to it and it still hit last week. So, um, you know, a couple of fishy teasers on the board so far this year. Again, we we joke about them, but as long as we do them responsibly through key numbers, I know you and I both we talk, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning about alt line teasers, you know, around you know alt totals. As long as you're responsible around key numbers, I think that there's an edge to be had. I know that you're, you know, giving up some juice back to the books when you're doing that, but at the same time, like you're grinding it as hard as we are and being smart about it i think there's opportunities to win and i think i think we've done that numerous times uh, those don't always find their way on the show because some of that stuff comes late in the week but uh i know that we both have had some success on some you know pretty solid plus money teasers so far this year 
Oh yeah. The, the, the Saturday soccer teasers specials, you know, those have been, those have been crushing. Yep. You have the communal uh, group discussions around uh, what we need to bang out. Uh, worked, worked like a gem last week. So I'm sure we'll do it again this weekend. So awesome. That uh, wraps us up. Thanks for hanging with us. If you're watching live, let's go watch some Thursday night football. Connor and I will be back next week with the guest for week nine. Uh, again, don't forget to find uh, the podcast, rate and review, share it, let people know we're out there. Again, we continue to, to grow week over week and we're, Excited about that and hope you're finding some winners here along with us as well. And find the show on Twitter at Move the Line NFL. Our handle is here at Ryan Noonan at Connor Allen NFL. We'll be back to do it again next week. Thanks for listening.